Welcome to the Brick and Market Podcast powered by Invita Social, the nation's leading multifamily marketing agency. This weekly podcast will give the lowdown on leasing up in the multifamily industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Brick and Market Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I am the process director at Invita, and I have a really special guest here. I have Connor from Graystar. Thanks for joining us. I heard that this is your first podcast. My first podcast. I was hoping it would be a true crime episode, but I guess we'll have to settle for social media. Don't tempt me because I'm a huge true crime fan, so we might have to chat later on some true crime stuff. Deal. (laughs) Amazing. So with our awesome guest interview here with Connor. We're gonna talk about Connor's experience with Invita, what makes marketing in the multifamily so unique, and just why is social such an integral part of the marketing ecosystem for a property? So diving right in, let's give a high level background. Tell us about you, how you got into marketing, why you're here, all that good stuff. All great questions. So, you know, I went to school for marketing. I'm not going to tell you when because <laughs> I don't want to date myself. And uh, I ended up landing in the multifamily industry back in 2004. I worked on site for a few years and then realized that multifamily needed marketing just like most other industries. And so I was able to pivot into a marketing role. I started out doing outreach marketing. I literally would drive around for hours a day. <laughs> dropping off flyers and donuts and telling people they had to rent at the communities that I was marketing (laughs) for. But obviously it has evolved pretty much since then. And, um, you know, I joined Graystar back in 2012 and, you know, the company has given me an opportunity to grow into, you know, what I do today. Um, Took a detour to operations for a few years, a few years back. So I can talk more about that later. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, everyone's always going to need a place to live. And so, you know, when times are tough, you need marketing more than ever. When times are not as tough, sometimes we can have more fun and be more creative and spend more money. But uh, it's an ever-changing environment. I love it. Yeah, I'm here for it. I think marketing has come so much even in the last two, three years, um, especially after our pandemic and still kind of coming out of this. It's been so different, even being fairly new into the marketing field. it's just been light years of changing and ever changing and it definitely keeps us on our toes. So why do you think social is so important to the overall marketing ecosystem, to properties, to leasing? You know, it's a, it's a differentiator. I think there are so many channels within multifamily marketing that are similar, you know, whether it's internet listings, paid search, Social gives you an opportunity to distinguish yourself in your brand, in your story that you want to tell. And, you know, that elusive story that we're always looking for, that we think we do a good job, but sometimes we don't, sometimes we do. Social is the vessel that allows us to do that. And I think, you know, social media has evolved so much relative to how we can target people, how we can connect with people at whatever level they want to connect with that to me, it's probably more relevant now than it was when it was the new kid on the block. And it is because of that evolution and the tools that are available to take advantage of the, of the medium. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a 
standout campaign that comes to mind that you want to talk about or maybe a, a favorite moment you've had utilizing social for marketing? Yeah. So, and actually, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> um, I partnered with Invita on a campaign several years back. And I think this campaign speaks to how relevant social is because it was relevant then and it's just as relevant now. We had a lease up in Desert Ridge when Desert Ridge was not very exciting. Uh, the city north development had kind of crashed and burned and they didn't know what to do with all the land up there. And so we basically had a grand opening event. We were told we had to generate X amount of leases. We had to have traffic. And frankly, most grand opening events, especially back when I did this, um, <laughs> it was a ribbon cutting. The mayor would show up. You'd have a few residents come by and it was basically a waste of time. <laughs> and so we came up with the creative idea to hire what was known then as a promoter, which is now an influencer. And, you know, using the power of social media, using the partnership with Invita, we were able to create a charity, create a hashtag, which was kind of unique at the time, mm -hmm. uh, build a geofence with Snapchat, which at the time was very cutting edge. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we had one of the best turnouts I've ever seen for a grand opening event. We had wow. over 300 people show up. We got picked up by like 11 different um, digital mediums. Uh, we were, print was still somewhat relevant then. And so we got picked up by several publications. And ultimately, we had residual traffic from that event for about six months. Wow. And so, and that was at a time when people really questioned social media, <laughs> if it was worth it, if it was, if it was a waste of money. And you guys made me look good. We spent a lot of money, but we had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a standout moment. And actually, I ended up winning an award. Wow. Star for best marketing campaign when I did that. Because at the time, it was like yeah. really outside the box. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought you here. We just wanted to hear the kudos, you know? Of course. That's all about. <laughs> Check in the mail. Yeah, yeah. here we are. Um, you mentioned influencers. So this has been ever-changing how do you think at least standing back because we work with influencers a lot but you've kind of again you mentioned how it was fairly new at the time now you're kind of seeing it transition more into almost being mandatory if not needed in a campaign do you think that influencers are going away anytime soon or do you think we should lean into the influencer campaigns it's a very controversial subject because Influencers are basically their employees, just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you have effective employees, and then you have employees maybe that aren't so effective. And so I really think if you get the right influencer that has the right audience and is hungry and really wants to put the effort in, we see tremendous results. Um, on the flip side of it, you know, you you got to do your due diligence because I think the influencer position as we know it today can mean a lot of different things mm -hmm. and it's not always something that's going to help build your brand but definitely if you are thoughtful and careful and bring in the right influencer and you set them up for success and clearly define expectations you're opening a channel that you're not going to get renters from other places and i think that that's important it's all about how many different channels can you open up a conversation with to try and secure leases. And I think the influencer is a great medium um, with an asterisk, so just you gotta be careful. <laughs> 
I, I agree. There's always a certain asterisk when it comes to any of these like newer marketing ways. If you really find somebody, again, like you said, that is a perfect fit and is hungry, it's awesome. If you find somebody that's a little maybe on the outskirts, you're not super sure, mm, maybe it's a hard pass. Um, but based on your experiences, what are the benefits of utilizing social that you don't see in other marketing efforts? Um, again, I think it's really relative to you're, you're going to find customers through social media that are not going to be available in more traditional mediums. And I think that is, in my opinion, what we talk to our clients about is, hey, yeah, sometimes the data is not necessarily going to be black and white, but if you're not creating a presence on Instagram and Facebook and probably TikTok now, if not now, <laughs> soon, you're going to lose out on potential opportunities to generate leases. And I still think a lot of companies within our industry are not 100% sure if they believe in it or not. And so right now, especially as the economy has gotten tougher and you know we're not seeing the demand like we had even six to nine months ago, having a well-rounded, well-funded, and well-interacted with social campaign is really vital. And if you're not doing it, you're going to regret it especially as things get more challenging, which I believe they probably will on a personal level <laughs> from an economic perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we're seeing that social is changing way faster than we've seen it in the past couple of months. New and more unique features are coming out um, and we're thinking, okay, you know, it was influencer campaigns now. Like you said, it's TikTok and these Instagram reels and these video aspects. Um, you know, Instagram is, is changing to kind of mimic TikTok and and create this almost rivalry in the social media world. So it's always pivoting, it's always changing. How do you think that social and multifamily marketing kind of differs from maybe more traditional marketing or, or other marketing that isn't multifamily? I think that internet listing services, for example, and even paid search to a lot of degree, it's saturated. Mm. And there's just so much competition in that space now, especially these days, that it's really hard unless you simply want to outspend people, which again, in multifamily, you have thin margins. So this idea that there's just, you have these lavish marketing budgets to work <laughs> with that you would if you worked for, you know, the Phoenix Suns mm -hmm. or if you worked for Google or Apple, we just don't have them. And so really, whether it's reels, whether it's, you know, a combination of advertising on social media, creating targeted posts, really digging into the community and showing people a bird's eye view of things that they can't see on a website. If you're not there, you just, it's very difficult to maintain relevancy. I mean, you're always going to have those apartment communities that probably don't need marketing and can just be successful, mm -hmm. whether it's word of mouth, whether it's location, whether it's just the quality of the project, but that's not the norm. And so, you know, I think we have less of an attention span now. So, you know, the old days when I first got into social media, you could post like once a month. <laughs> it was like, wow, there's content here. But now it's like posting even on some level is a taboo, right? Mm -hmm. and now you've got to move to 
Facebook stories or Instagram stories, or you got to get on TikTok because you don't have the time. The attention span is not there of the customer. And so you've got to, like you said, you've got to evolve and adapt with how fast social media is changing. And, you know, the results are clear though. I mean, when we put a social media provider, ideally in Vita, um, <laughs> on one of our buildings, you see the results, even if it's not always a black and white situation mm -hmm. on Google Analytics. And when you take a social media strategy off a community, or you kind of take your foot off the gas, a lot of times you're going to feel those results when it comes to what is available to rent. Yeah, makes makes total sense, especially I feel like the apartment world, the multifamily world, you guys are rapidly growing that that social aspect, that key is, is how you're going to be different from somebody else. You know, you could have two properties directly across the street from each other, but their campaigns can look different. Their demographic could be different. Their way and look and feel and brand is all different. So really playing into that social aspect kind of helps that and, and really differentiates them. So speaking of social and marketing, um, we're seeing a lot of newer I guess terms for for us probably not new terms for you but we're talking about btr so build to rent properties i'd love to get your input your thoughts how is this different what is btr give us a little education well first of all they got to pick an acronym because there's two <laughs> right there's sfr which is single family rental <laughs> and then there's btr which is built to rent it's a very compelling space and i think it's really it was forged out of the lack of affordability mm -hmm. of being able to purchase a single family home. You have a huge segment of our population that wants a backyard, that wants a driveway, mm -hmm. that wants a dog door. And especially now with interest rates where they are, the ideal of home ownership is just not a thing for people. And they also don't want to live in an apartment. So, you know, the options have been get lucky and find a quality single family rental from a private landlord and hope it works out. But then somebody had the brilliant idea of saying, hey, we have all this land, we have our water rights, we have our ingress, egress. Why don't we build a housing community, maybe with an exit strategy of selling at some point, but primarily creating a situation where you have homes that people can rent that they otherwise would purchase and live in. Mm -hmm. And so the industry is really starting to take notice of this because there's a lot of products online. There are going to be roughly 9,000 units delivered um, over the next two years wow. in this market, 44 communities. <laughs> and the reality is for a lot of people, if they're looking at an apartment, that's let's say renting at $2 a square foot, or a BTR SFR that's renting at 230 a square foot. And by the way, I get a backyard, mm -hmm. I get a dog door, I have a neighborhood community, maybe there's you know different types of amenities that you wouldn't see at an apartment building. And they have a situation where they need the extra room for various reasons, they're gonna go for it. And so, you know, we have been very fortunate at Graystar to have a lot of success. We have some great developers that, you know, we done some very successful lease-ups. These things are very, very popular. And they're not going anywhere because unfortunately, I, I don't think buying a home <laughs> is gonna get any more affordable anytime soon. Yeah, uh, 100%, I think. 
with the change that we're seeing in, like you're saying, interest rates, buying homes. You know, if you didn't get in at a certain time, you're going to have to ride the wave and and hopefully at some point get in. But these BTR single style family communities are such a game changer. Um, How do you think the social for a BTR community is going to differ from maybe a more conventional property? So it's a great question. Um, You know, I I had an opportunity to talk to a couple of my senior level people that have gone through a full lease up for BTR. And surprisingly, social's not a lot different. Mm. The same general principles apply, content, funding. I think where the things differentiate is on the amenities. So single family homes, you are, you're going to have a backyard. So it's creating a story around that backyard and what that backyard means to the people living there. Um, dog doors. I made that joke earlier. <laughs> That's a thing. I mean, when you, when you go to pretty much any SFR project, they're very focused on pets because they know people are going to have pets mm-hmm. when they live at a BTR community. And so focusing on the animals, maybe to a greater degree than you would in an apartment building, um, is very, very important. Resident events tend to be less of a focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think maybe in a housing community, there'd be more of that. People, generally speaking, they didn't want to share a wall, which is why they <laughs> they rented a, a, you know, a BTR yeah. home. And so resident events tend to not be as much of a thing. So when you're approaching social media, you're not necessarily going to be looking to tell a story of connecting the community in that way. It really is reinforcing the idea, hey, you want a home, we have an opportunity to give you one. Totally. And when discussing amenities and kind of the future of this new wave of properties that we're seeing, what are some, I know you talked about the the pet friendly, but there are other some perks to BTR. You know, you've got garages, you've got these private backyards. How do you think the, the market or the individuals are going to react to now? Oh, I can rent something that looks like a home. I have a backyard. I have, you know, a pool or I have a gated community or these garages, how do you think that market, like what demographic are we looking at? How's that market going to respond to, I guess, a new style of, of living and a new style of renting? Um, I've had the pleasure of starting some BTR with, with your team and, and being on site um, at some of those other rentals. And it's just, to be honest, a very different vibe than when you go to maybe high rise luxury like in Chicago or in downtown Phoenix. So I'm just curious on on the vibe that you're getting or kind of the difference you're seeing from maybe something that's super high rise luxury to BTR. I think it's it's focusing more inside the unit than outside mm. the unit. I think when you're marketing an apartment community, you're focused on the area, you're focused on the social aspect within the community, connecting people. And you know, the reality is people that want to buy a home, people that are looking to rent a single family rental, um, they are focused, like you said, on the garage, on the gourmet style kitchen, larger closet space, mm-hmm. essentially taking what you would expect to see in a single family home and actually having it. And I think that's the difference maker. People aren't as concerned about the fitness center. Technology is a big one. So I think what one of the areas I foresee single family rentals continuing to evolve is on the technology aspect, mm-hmm. adding IoT integrators, turning the buildings, turning the homes smarter than they've ever been before, 
putting in leak detection, um, having incredibly fast data, fiber data that people can grab whenever they need. No one's doing cable anymore. <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of techno technological advances mm -hmm. that we have not seen that are going to continue to help differentiate that segment. And ultimately you're creating value long-term because again, who knows what's going to happen with single family rentals, let's say over the next 10 years, are they going to stay rentals? Are at some point, are they going to turn back into sales? We've seen that happen with condos before, mm -hmm. but they're here now and they're going to be here to stay. And it's filling a void because there's always a dearth of private single family rentals on the market. And oftentimes there's not a lot of regulation with the quality of those mm -hmm. with this. These are brand new. They're from reputable developers. You have companies like Graystar managing them. So, you know, you're going to get maintenance taken care of, which is not something you would get if mm -hmm. you do a private rental. So a lot of those things that maybe aren't exciting are very important to the segment of our renters that want them. I mean, just the maintenance alone as as a homeowner, I'm like, yes, sign me up. I hate when something breaks in my house. So if some, someone else can take care of that and I get the perks of kind of living in my own home, sign me up. Let's do this. Yeah. So the grilling is almost over, but we're going to hit our rapid fire questions. So this is something that we ask all of our guests. They're just, uh, I think we have like four rapid fire questions just about you as an individual and your social. Okay. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Amazing. So number one, what's your favorite social media platform? Definitely Instagram. Okay. Uh, not as much as it used to be because they took the chronological order out. <laughs> and I seem to get more ads than I used to. For me personally, I find Instagram is generally a celebration of fun and life and less of a medium to complain and vent. And so for me, I like it. I laughed at the whole story thing when it first started. I was like, I didn't want to do Snapchat. I did not <laughs> want to do TikTok. Now I would say primarily when I do post, because I do, um, I use stories. My medium that I spend the most time on is Twitter. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm not a big, I dabbled in Twitter for a little bit, but a lot of people like Twitter. So, so what captivates you about Twitter? It's where I get all my news. Oh. So I try to stay away from watching the news because I, you know, I want to think for myself, but uh, Twitter allows me to set up my feeds. So whether it's sports teams I follow, whether it's podcasts I follow, Amazon has some great you insider information mm -hmm. on like sales and deals. Um, I'm kind of a techie nerd. And so I follow several tech platforms to kind of geek out on like the latest technology, whether it's, you know, computers, television, or just IOT, things like that. And so for me, Twitter is, is my one-stop shop for like all my news. I love it. You had me at Amazon insider sales. So I guess I'm gonna have to activate my Twitter. Here we go. Um, what are your social media pet peeves? or peeves? That's a great question. I think for me, it's, I am convinced that Facebook especially listens to everything I say, <laughs> because I will talk about the most random thing amongst myself or, you know, my partner or, you know, around my friends. And then all of a sudden I get an ad <laughs> and it's just, there's no way they're not listening. So I get a little frustrated. I think, you know, from a from a, a sales perspective, I kind of like that because that probably means potential renters are getting ads for our communities mm -hmm. when they're talking. But I do feel like it can be a little 
invasive. <laughs> and uh, I don't recall it being like that several years ago. Yeah, it's like a little big brothery. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Who or what brand would be your dream partnership? Wow. That is good. <laughs> Sky's the limit. The sky is the limit, huh? You know, I think for me, a dream partner. Wow. You really stumped me on that one. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really into is uh, like video editing, video software. Um, NVIDIA is, you know, they were obviously, they've been in the news the last several years because their, their video cards were the subject of crypto mining. Mm. And really, for about two years, you could not get a video card for your computer because every single card was being sold on eBay for thousands of dollars more than what they were worth because you could you could mine cryptocurrency. Hmm. Um, they have a really amazing Twitter page. Um, they're extremely tech savvy, but they're also kind of like Neo in the Matrix. They kind of <laughs> keep this cool like cyber vibe to them. So I think that they're really good. Um, I used to work for Wendy's when I was in college. I love this. I played fast food, played the fast food game. <laughs> Wendy's has one of the almost hilarious Twitter pages. Yeah. The way that they will like bag on McDonald's and like just make fun <laughs> of their competitors. I would love to kind of be part of a, a brand that likes to have fun like that. And they seem to get it. So I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, count count me in. If we've got like a sassy brand or something that's a little spicier, I'm in too. So yeah. I get the Wendy's thing. I think they're hilarious. Uh, favorite person, influencer, creator, anybody that's your favorite person to follow on social? Favorite person to follow on social? Well, I mean, my, my favorite kind of like larger than life person, and you might not know this, but people you work with will know, of course, is Tom Brady. So, oh, my my husband is a Buccaneers fan, so Tom Brady is like in my house everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in New England. I've been a you know I've been a, I was a Patriot fan before Tom Brady. I became a bigger one when he was there. He's actually really funny to follow. It's amazing. After he left the Patriots, he grew a personality and like he's t doesn't take himself seriously, <laughs> and he has a lot of fun. One of the favorite things he did was. I don't know if you know, follow Dude with a Sign. No. Instagram. So it's this guy and he holds up this cardboard sign with like, you know, no one reads you out of office. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So Tom Brady partnered with him and like he punked him like and it was really, really funny. So, I mean, that that was pretty amazing. I thought that was really, really clever. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely somebody that, you know, I've always idolized and um, he's really funny because he didn't used to be and everyone kind of thought he was just a stick in the mud and then once he realized gosh i am really as good as people say and now he just kind of has fun with himself now i have to ask are you rocking a patriots tom brady or a buccaneers tom brady you know i'm rocking a connor patriots <laughs> i love it <laughs> after tom brady left uh i think there were there, there was a um, contingency of people that thought my allegiance was going to change. It did not. <laughs> I am not a Bucks fan. I love Tom Brady, but I am definitely no longer like in that camp. Um, I'm all about Mac Jones because he's our quarterback now. Um, am I happy for Tom when he's successful? Of course, I always <laughs> will be, but uh, definitely not a Bucks fan. That's that's so funny. 
Keep rocking your New England Patriots. We're here for it. Well, thank you so much for joining me for our episode and giving us all the marketing insight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Catch us next week on Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode of the Brick and Market Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Brick and Market Podcast powered by Invita Social, the nation's leading multifamily marketing agency. New episodes drop every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern. You can find the Brick and Market Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Tune in next week for more on how to turn your leads into leases.